Okay, I'm going to kick us off with the intro. So g'day guys and welcome to the Bradley J. Driver Experience. I'm your host, Bradley Driver. As always, you can call me Brad. And today I'm here with a guest who I've been working for probably a month now. We've been working to try and make this happen. Actually, maybe even yeah. more. Um, obviously, with the hysteria and craziness of the world right now, we've opted to do it over Zoom chat. But my guest is the winner of 2015 X Factor Australia. I first come across you on Facebook, I think, years ago, being from the Wollongong area. And today we're sat here and you produce some music and doing what you do best and we're on a podcast. So ladies and gentlemen, Cyrus, how are you, brother? Oh, hello. I'm good, man. It's, uh, it's good to be here. Man, I, when you first messaged me, I was trying to... I, 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 have we ever met in person? It's, it's funny because I think I have the slightest thought that maybe we have, maybe once, just like being around mutual mates or something at the beach or just to say g'day, but I can't remember having a proper chat with you. And I yeah, was sort I think, of, yeah, go on. Yeah, I think I like, cause when you, yeah, when you first messaged me, you looked really familiar as if, because like, I, I like recognize your face as a, as one of the boys from Wollongong, but I don't, I can't remember if I've ever like met you. Did you ever play like indoor soccer or like basketball or like, oh, could I we have played that. sport together? I played a season <laughs> of basketball, but it's, um, I didn't last long, man. I scored yeah, a couple right, points okay. in the first game and didn't score again for the rest <laughs> of the season. So I don't oh. think they wanted to invite me back, but um, Wollongong's a small place. So you know what it's like, you know, everyone. Exactly. Six degrees of separation, so. Yeah, exactly. Well, it's good to be here. No, Thank I appreciate you, you coming on. I really do. And appreciate you being able to improvise. And obviously, I know you're spreading the message at the moment as well as myself about staying at home and doing the right thing for everyone's health in this very weird and sort of unprecedented time. So um, it was cool to be able to do it over here. So I hope the audience gets the same out of it. So, But I guess for me, there's the reason for having you on the show was... I love, like, you're, you're amazingly talented and I love having people on every episode that can add something different. And I think you've got a real story and a lot to share that I think people will get something out of. So as I said, my first, the first time that I seen or, or sort of took notice of what you were doing was not even sure if we're mates on Facebook, but people were sharing around what you were doing on YouTube and doing a few covers and whatnot. I was probably, how old are you now? Uh, 23. I'm 23 as well. So I'd say similar age groups, mutual friends, sharing stuff around. And you've obviously got an amazing voice. It's why you are where you are today. Um, but I remember like I, I was into it, man, cause you're very good. Um, you've got a great voice and, and the sort of stuff that I like listening to. So, I was sort of following along through Facebook for many years and then one night turned on the telly and fuck, you're an X Factor. So talk to us about how you got into music and how you found yourself on the X Factor to begin with. Yeah. So for me, music was always something that was a big part of my life. Um, my dad was a, was a musician all of my life growing up and he retired about four, four years ago. Okay. Um, so there was just always music either being played, being made, or just like, it was, it was just everywhere. There was instant, we had like a dedicated music room in every house that just had all of dad's like equipment and gear and, and, uh, and instruments. Um, 
so like from a, yeah from a very young age both my brother and i were very surrounded by uh surrounded by music um yeah. and then yeah. through through school and high school i was sort of always that kid that like played on assemblies and like yeah always chose, always opted for music over sport and you know that was that was um so it was very present all through high school um and then i started playing in church uh toward the later side of high school um and that was sort of the first time that i played like on a big stage in front of um yeah. people um oh hang on my microphone no. there we go um uh, yeah, so I, then I, 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 you know, grew up playing in church. And then after, I think like in year 12, um, I, I stopped. Uh, in year 11, I worked at a, uh, a kebab store in Dapto. That was like my first job. And then over the HSC period, I left the kebab shop to play, uh, to, to, you know, just completely focus on my studies and, and, and not do any work. Um, but there, I obviously like being a... 17 year old 18 year old kid who wanted to like go out with his mates and 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 you know have fun i wanted to have some sort of like income some sort of money so i started busking like here and there um and then you know just like putting my name down at different bars and different clubs and different cafes just to like nominate myself to play some music because for me it was like a super easy and fun way to make money um so i started playing different yeah yeah absolutely so it didn't really feel like work i guess um and then yeah i just started playing at all the all these different venues um uh at the at finished high school uh went to uni still still playing uh all these different little gigs and there was a uh i had like a little family of musos in wollongong um and we were all sort of like under the wing of uh our good friend, her name is Blessy Pika, and she's from Shell Harbor, I want to say. Uh, and she, you know, sort of took us all under her wing and she created this really great, like, atmosphere of musicians and, you know, songwriters and just performers. Um, and I'd never really had that growing up. And, like, in, in high school, I was the only person in my group who, like, sang and, like, did music. Um, so for me, that was really exciting just to be surrounded by musos and like really like-minded creatives. Um, and then one day she was like, oh, I'm taking, I'm taking a bunch of like musos up to Sydney to play in front of the um, producers of X Factor. Would you be interested? And at the time I was like, oh, like, nah, I'm good. Like, <laughs> I, don't, I don't really want to go on a TV show. It's not really my thing. Like, I'm, I'm cool. And I'd never really considered music as a full-time like career. At that point, it was just like, my mind was like, I know I want to go to, got to go to uni. My parents want me to go to uni, get a degree, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, so the idea of yeah going on a show or even just pursuing music as a career was very, like, not not something I'd ever thought about. Um, she eventually convinced me, obviously. Uh, so I went up with another friend of mine. His name's Josh Alvarez. He's I know Joshy. From- Joshy was you know, he's above me at school. Ah, there you go. So, uh, yeah, we were, we were really close um, during that period because he was also, a, you know, a giga and a muso. So we spent a lot of time with each other. Um, and then, yeah, we went up to this audition showcase thing that we, we didn't really know what we were doing, to be honest. Um, and we both sang a song. And then I got a call two weeks later saying that I'd like been accepted, like wow. for the 
auditions for X Factor. I was like, what? Like, I, what do you mean? Like, I didn't even know that was a, what we were doing. And then I called Blessy. I was like, look, man, like, I don't really want to do this. Like, I can go up because they've invited me, but I don't know if it's right. And she's like, look, if anything, like, at least you get to like go up to Sydney, have this experience, play in front of a, you know, stadium essentially of, of, of random people and get to, you know, do what you love. Like what's there to lose sort of thing. Yeah. And when she yeah. put it like that, I was like, Oh yeah. And I'm, I'm, I'm at the time I was like, and still I'm trying, I, I try to be like a never say never, like just give everything a shot before you like yeah. judge yeah. what it's going to be like. Cause you never know. Um, and then, yeah, I went up, I did it. I loved it. Uh, I learned a lot. And then, yeah, I just took it like a step at a time and without really any, any real expectation without, you know, being too hard on myself and just trying to learn and like enjoy it um, as much as I could. And yeah, I, I, I like, guess it worked because. 100%. Yeah, it was a, yeah, roller coaster. So talk to me when you, you obviously say so you said you pre-auditioned before the TV audition. And when you're actually going through that process, like, because it, how, how long does X Factor run for? How long are you shooting that for? From shooting from the, like, it's like six months, six okay. months from like the first audition that you see on TV to the like grand final that's live. So it's, yeah, it's about six months. Uh, are you, I can't remember because I know it's changed from year to year, but are your actual week to week performances, are they live? Uh, yeah. Yeah. So when, so when it gets to, when it gets to the live shows, which is like the final 12, your week essentially runs like day one, you get told what your song is and then you rehearse it that day. The next day is a like rehearsal day on stage um, without like your, like whatever, production it's just like um on stage with no production and the next day is like with the production with your outfit that you're going to wear um and then you know they have to test it for camera and do all that sort of stuff um and then by like the fifth day you're performing it like live on tv so it's and and then all in between in between the music stuff it's like you're on camera doing interviews you're like doing publicity like off-site for channel seven you're like doing interviews with different magazines like it's it's yeah look looking back on it it's so like hectic like i yeah it's just very full-on but i think once you're when you're in the whirlwind you don't really like notice it or feel it and like feel the effect it's having on you you just sort of like roll with the punches and then yeah so yeah did you enjoy that at the time yeah and like yeah I, i i don't have any regrets about it i i i really enjoyed um i think it was just because it was something so different every day was like pushing me out of my comfort zone. Um, and yeah, I think like I, I learned a lot about myself, about music, about the industry as a business um, and like the entertainment industry um, outside of like just having fun and like, you know, yeah. you know what I mean? There's so many more f- um, facets that don't really get seen by the 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 outsider um yeah, of course. so yeah I, I i i yeah i learned a lot and who was your coach i can't remember your coach mentor throughout that process uh mentor was chris isaac um and he was right. an absolute legend. yeah a, a, an all-time all-time legend and because he's because he'd never done the show before he had no real 
bias or no real like expectation on the thing so he was very genuine and that's um, awesome yeah it was it was it was a great a great uh eye to be under tell me as you start obviously pressure heightens as you get to that top 12 and you're performing live every week how does that feel knowing that the nation's watching because this is the biggest stage you've ever performed in front of you know, there's hundreds of thousands of Aussies watching at home because X Factor is one of those shows that it's like the family sit down and watch that at home after dinner. Like it's a, it's a thing. So how does that feel? Like you've got friends and family messaging you. You've probably got people coming out of the, like just out of the blue, like fuck, just seeing you on <laughs> telly. What's it like? <laughs> oh, it's weird, bro. It's weird. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't really think it, like the full gravity of what was happening really ever hit me. Um, yeah. I think, and, and, and as a result, I was never really under a whole lot of pressure. Um, I, I, yeah, I, I think I just enjoyed it so much. I made such good like friendships um, and just being very present throughout that whole thing and not thinking too far ahead. Like I, I feel like the pressure was, I didn't have a whole lot that I put on myself. Um, That's good. Um, it was, it was definitely like a really great feeling, um, you know, receiving so much support from people that I don't even know exist. Um, and you know, like people coming out of the woodwork and, you know, giving their condolences and their, um, wishes was, 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 is, is a nice thing as well. Um, cool. but yeah, I think yeah, it's, it's very strange. <laughs> I, I still, when I think, when I think about, when I think back to it, it's a very, um, yeah crazy part of my life <laughs> oh i can imagine man i can imagine so well i can only imagine because i've never been in that sort of situation and from what i hear a lot of it sounds like you've taken it as a real positive because i can imagine there's two ends of the spectrum where people that take it as a very positive experience and some that it probably hinders i guess their their thought process and how they go about their life after they leave so we're going to talk a little bit about that in a minute. Um, however, I'm interested to hear, there's obviously, so your whole ideal going into this is, I'm just going to have a bit of fun. I'm going to roll with the punches and see what happens. And then all of a sudden, you're pretty close to the final and you're thinking, fuck, I could, I could win this. What's yeah. the emotion like and how serious does it become when the realisation that there's a record deal at the end of this and this could be the start of a career. Yeah. I think I, th I, th I feel like it was only like halfway or like three quarters of the way to the end where I was like, okay, like this could be like my job. Like if this goes well, like this is my career now and I don't really have, and I, I never really thought of it, thought about it that way. Um, but yeah, I, it was sick. Like, a, like a young kid who you know just has enjoyed singing his whole life. You get this opportunity, and you can you're told that like you can do this for the rest of your life and make a living and make money and you know be happy. Like that was a dream. Like it was it was great. Yeah. Um. Uh. And yeah, I think like because I hadn't like I hadn't I hadn't I have no idea about the music industry back then. I had no idea about what it consisted of how it worked, like the, the different, what roles like a label plays versus the media versus journalists versus publishers. Like there's so many different, um, yeah, avenues that all play a big role in the, in the music industry that I just had no idea about. 
um, which I like went on to learn over the next two years after. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think to talk, to talk about, uh, it was interesting. You said earlier how, um, I feel like reality, reality TV shows have a, a common, um, negative perception, um, that I believe is based off of people that go on the show that are, are like already like art artists who, you know, they know what they want to wear. They know what they want to sing. They've like written four albums already. And they're like sort of using the reality show as a, like a, a marketing tool almost. Um, yeah. And then they go on the show and it's like, doesn't work in their favor and they have to sing this and they want to sing this. Um, and then they just like dish dirt on the show. And I, which I completely understand. And I feel like why, and that was, that was, to be honest, that was a reason that I was like worried about the show because I'd heard all these bad stories about people getting, yeah, you know, fucked over by the show and blah, 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 taken advantage of. Um, but I feel like because I went into the show, like just dumb and like naive and like no expectation about what I was trying to get out of it, beside the fact that I just like to sing, yeah. I feel like they're the type of like that mindset is where you can really just like enjoy and like have fun throughout the whole process, regardless of how far you go down, because you're, you're not doing anything you don't want to do. You're like, you're just completely open to everything. Um, and yeah, you, there's, there's a lot of people that like <clears throat> I met that were just going through a hard time and it was hard to, to see them because they were like, you know, so upset about certain decisions that were being made and, you know, they were arcing up at, they had the fact that they had to wear purple shoes as opposed to green shoes and just little stuff like that. Um, yeah, it, it, it made me realize along the way that it's very much like a reality show and a TV show and its purpose is to entertain. Like I, and I feel like because I realized that I, I, I didn't put a whole lot of pressure and expectation on myself um, and just got to enjoy it. Yeah. That's good to hear. So tell me, obviously you go on to win the show. It's Sony music. They get the yeah. record deal. Yeah. How's that experience going from being on national TV every week and being, you know what I mean? What, what mums, dads and kids and the community sit down and watch at night to then sort of the weights on your shoulders post that to generate that audience yourself. And how do you do that? How does it all work with a record label? I've got no idea. And I can imagine probably 99% of people wouldn't either. Right. Right. I'll, um, I'll, I'll try and like, uh, simplify, <laughs> I guess the, the, the process uh, the, the explanation. Um, so essentially after the TV show, I got signed to Sony. Um, and I think the way to think about it is I got, I, I, my project, my Cyrus project was, uh, I guess considered like a development project. So essentially all that means is like, we have a vessel, like let's fill it with cool shit and like make it work. Um, as opposed to someone, you know, who's been grinding for six years and like they've created this body of work and like labels have noticed and be like, wow, we love what you do. Come on board. We want to like help bring out more. For me, it was like, I've got no idea. I'm just like a singer, uh, just been on TV with like a big audience, I guess, because, you know, people have been watching me for the last however many months. Um, so it's an opportunity to capitalize on. Um, so after the, after the show, I did a bunch of like recording sessions and writing sessions. And the aim essentially is to like write more songs that we can put out straight away. It's just so we can like keep the ball rolling in terms yeah. of 
um, people's interest because that dies quite quickly if you don't, you know, keep keep content coming. Um, and then all while that's going on, the development side is like how we dress the 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 songs that we're putting out because that ultimately like creates the like sound of what an artist is you know what i mean it's not like i can sing a a rock song and then like an r&b song and then a hip-hop song it's got it's you have to consider like what type of sonic um space you want the brand to sit in and i had no idea because i like I, I, that asked me like, what type of music do you like? Like, what do you, who do you want to sound like? And my references would be from like Coldplay to like, like uh, the weekend to like Zane to like, it, it was all, yeah. all, all sort of all over the shop because I, I hadn't really sat with the idea of being an artist and being unique. Um, I just like to sing. Uh, so yeah, I like did a bunch of recording sessions, released a couple of songs, um, worked a, a whole lot. Like after the show, it was like two months of just like pro- promotional tours, like to, like talking about the album that came out after the show, um, just doing a bunch of interviews. Like it was fu- it was full on, <laughs> and like, I don't think I don't think my voice went back to like a hundred percent for like six months after the show, just because I was always using it. I was always talking and singing and performing and whatever. Um, so yeah, that, that phase was like a year and a half, um, from X Factor. Um, yeah. And have you continued on with Sony or are you doing your own stuff now or what's your situation currently? So currently I am completely independent, um, to walk through that timeline. I, uh, so I was with Sony until June last year, um, it got to a point where, uh, you know, the, the hype of everything started to die down and then I got to like process everything, um, which was a really like pivotal point in my like career as an artist, I think, um, because I got to, you know, start thinking about, okay, now I think that's, that's when the whole like, okay, it's on me kicks in it wasn't like straight after the show because after the show like the label had all of this like heat to work with and it was less on me i was sort of just like the yes man and just going with the flow and and um you know doing whatever i was told was right um which was i i I don't have any beef about that um so then once everything sort of died down and i got to process you know what direction i wanted to go and i started being like much more uh, involved in my, in, in the, in the songwriting process and, you know, started messing around with production and started trying to produce my own stuff. Um, that's when I think like a new chapter of like my artistry started to come out because I feel like now I'm like, I'm, I'm a songwriter is so much more, it's it's like a, such a big part of who I am as a, as a, as a creative, um, which wasn't really evident early on in my career. Um, but essentially, long story short, my manager, who had been a uh, like my biggest player in my team for two and a half years, um, you know, got me through a lot, um, helped me re- come to a lot of really big, important realizations about myself. Um, she had to move overseas, um, like urgently, um, so she could no longer manage me, and there wasn't anyone that could step into her role um, overnight. And at the time, this was, so this is like um, June last year. At the time, I just finished producing my, and mixing and mastering my first, um, the first single that I'd produced. 
And I was like gearing up to release that. And then the, you know, the news came out that she had to leave. And that was like a huge moment where I was like, I think, I think realizing how dependent I was on another person. Um, I had so much love for her and obviously it was super upsetting. Um, but at the same time, I fully understood the circumstances and you know, why she, why she had to go. Um, and then at that point I sort of just went home like that day after I found out and just sat down and asked myself a lot of very honest, um, serious questions about just where I was at, um, in terms of my career, um, in terms of my trajectory and, <clears throat> all of the answers that I was um, like answering weren't what they should have been. It was like, am I happy right now? Do I feel like I'm being completely authentic with the work that I'm, you know, creating? Where do I see myself in six months within the like network that I'm in now? Am I happy with that place? Blah, blah, blah. And like, it just wasn't exciting me the way that it should be. And at the, at, at, at that point I'd had already started like, working as a producer for other artists and like as a collaborator which I was loving and I was like really excited about that because it was something new um, I felt myself growing in a new avenue where I'd sort of gone stale in the artist thing um, so I was putting a lot of energy into that and that was sort of my focus um, so I decided to leave my management company and then in turn also my label um, and it was like a, it was a difficult decision because it was all that I knew. And like in my mind, I was from the way that I'd like come into the industry. I was like, oh, without a label, like I'm, what am I going to do? Like that's that's my security. That's my like, you know what I mean? But it's it's really not. Like the more that I thought about, it, I was like, oh man, it's like I'm I'm I don't think I'm going to be happier with a just just being able to say that I'm like a signed artist if I'm not actually like ha like fulfilling fulfilled and not actually working towards something that I believe in more of an ego um, boost than anything. Right. Completely, completely. And it was, and it was a moment where I just had to be like really human and grounded and just be like, who cares if I say that I'm like not with a major label, like that's, and once I got that thought out of there and I imagined and I like, I got over what other people would think about it. I was like, this is so the right decision. Like I need to, I need to do this. I need to have some time to myself. Um, which is what I did. And I spent the next year, oh, nearly a year. Did you getting close to, oh, yeah, yeah. Getting there. Um, so yeah, I just spent a bunch of time like working just on this and like, I'm as happy as I've, I've, I've been in a long time. Um, but yeah, That's that was that period. Yeah. And I think it's, it's funny what you say, because I, I have this conversation with people, like I said, that I've had a really good mix of guests thus far. And even just in, in life in general, chatting to mates, other people, I think at any stage, whatever career you're in, you find yourself asking those questions that you did, even in your more, um, I guess, public situation where am I happy? Am I fulfilling my purpose? Where do I see myself in six months a year? And if it doesn't align with that, you've got to make the hard decisions. Oh. Because like, like I said, it's more of an ego boost to be with a label as it would be an ego boost to be with a big company from a business standpoint or, um, you know, a big team as an athlete, I believe 
if you're not actually fulfilling your purpose, that gets bad and boring really quickly. And it's mm, probably kept your career alive, making the decision to actually pursue more so where your passion lies. Mm, so no, with absolutely. the producing and everything you're doing now, is it more so for yourself? Are you working with other artists? To have? I know music's a real collaborative space. And mm. I see on, on your Instagram and, you know, you're always jamming with different people and getting together with different people. I've seen the COVID-19 challenge over IG, which seems to have taken off a little bit. Just talk to me about what's the situation now? How does it all work? Yeah. So essentially my like Monday to Friday is um, writing sessions. So I'll, I, in the last, the last like two months, for example, pretty well Monday to Friday, I've had um, different artists and different writers come in. They come into the studio here. We hang out, we write a song, we make a song. Um, and then they leave at the end of the day. Um, it's, 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 it, yeah, it's weird from, from an outsider's perspective, like is, is, is the idea of like an artist coming into a room with a writer and a producer, they make a song and then they leave. Is that like how you imagine like the process works or is it like for you? Cause I'm interested. Yeah, I guess, I guess you would think so because you see mainstream like, someone walks into a studio, they sit down, they've got a few ideas. The producer's yeah. got a few ideas they mix, yeah. but I know in the music space, there's obviously people who are more, and I've probably only learned this in the last sort of 12 months. Cause I've been listening to more of these podcasts and interviews with different people. And from what I can, from what I can gather, there's people who are obviously a lot more prominent in the writing space than others. And I was actually mm -hmm. surprised by how many people don't write their own songs at all um, because it's obviously quite a talent i think if you sit to write anything <clears throat> excuse me if you sit to write anything regardless of whether it's a song a story an essay or whatever there's an art to writing mm. and making it flow or making it sound good in whatever space it's performed so i guess yeah. my my knowledge is really limited but i can imagine a capacity in which you're doing it and you've obviously got a good following on on ig and social that's going to help get those artists in there as well as an amazing talent. So it's, um, are you working with a lot of people? Just before we crack on with the episode, I'd like to thank our sponsors, Aboveline Security Solutions. Aboveline was started here in my hometown of Wollongong and the owner and director, Anthony, is not only a great human, but a great businessman. They provide services in crowd control, static guards, function security and corporate security, all with a quality guarantee. Aboveline was created not only to rival competitors, but to beat them in their trade. Constantly monitored through security KPI reports to guarantee staff are trained and skilled in the areas that your business needs and to ensure they are at the top of their game all the time. Head to AboveLineSecuritySolutions.com for more. That's AboveLineSecuritySolutions.com. Now back to the episode. Yeah. Yeah. It's it. Yeah. That you're so right. Like some artists, quite a few artists, like just don't write their music and they're like fine with that, which is like, it's sick. Like it's, it's, it's a normal thing for like the face of a song to not really have a lot to do with the process and vice versa. It's a off, it's a like normal thing for someone who's heavily into production and heavily into like the songwriting and the craftsmanship to have nothing to do with the song once it's come out. Like, and they're, they're like their identity 
is nothing more than just like the name on the credits. And that's like, that's, I feel like that's the difference between like the publishing and the writing world versus like labels and like the artist world. The, the two are, the two are, yes, they're like interlocked, but they're very much like separate. Um, and I think the whole like year, last year I've spent is heavily in the writing and, and publishing world. Um, but yeah, I've been, I've, I've been lucky to work with a multitude of very talented, um, both established and like up and coming, um, artists, which has been sick. Uh, I've, I've, I've been working with, um, Grace, um, who's a good friend of mine, uh, Chloe with an ex. She's also a super talented and super sweet, um, friend, um, Coda Banks. Coda Banks has actually written on some of my stuff, which is sick. Um, awesome. um, I have a, like one of my best mates, um, Taka Perry and Ned Philpot. They're like, they're very, like, see, they're very well known in like the writer world, but to yeah. the like general public, probably a little less so because they are only just starting to launch their, um, you know, their artist project. Um, and like me and me and Ned, for example, I have a, we have a really good collaborative partnership where he's sort of like we are starting to work a whole lot more together um with other artists um which is super exciting we're working with some really exciting um projects at the moment which hopefully one day you guys will hear about and and, and we'll know about um but for now it's just been yeah i feel like i'm i'm on a really good um stride with just because it's all I've been doing, man. Like, I, I don't really leave this room. <laughs> so even right yeah. now, I'm doing something different. I'm still in the studio. <laughs> yeah, uh, and I think, like, especially with the isolation right now, it's like I have no other excuse to leave the house. So I'm pretty much like wake up, do some exercise, have breakfast, and then just like chill out in here for the whole day and make and work on work on music, which is sick. That's awesome. It's awesome because it's your passion too. So you get to um, just double down on that and get yeah. creative. Absolutely. So I'm interested because obviously when you're, you said it there, a lot of, and we spoke about it, a lot of artists don't write their own stuff, mm. but what I'm interested to hear is obviously as a writer, you've, you've got an amazing voice as well. So you can sit there, play around a little bit, write some stuff, test it out to see how you think it's going to sound. Obviously it will sound different with every artist, but are there any writers that aren't talented singers? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like, <clears throat> I feel like more so a producer because they don't have to sing. Yeah. So like as, as like writers, there's like the heading writer and then there's producer and then what's called a top liner. And a top liner is someone who writes the lyrics and the melody. Um, most of the time the top liner is like can carry a tune, but they're not, they may not necessarily be an incredible vocalist, which is so common. Yeah. Um, and then like, I feel like more often than not a producer won't really have anything to do with like being able to sing. Um, but they, they, they can, they know where melodies should go. Um, yeah. and then like, yeah, together, I feel like it, there's also a case where like the artist will not be able to sing what the top liner is like suggesting. And I feel like that's a whole, that's part of the process of being a, a like co-writer, a, a collaborative writer is like our job is to make something for you, like something that Brad would sing, not something that Cyrus would sing. And you're going to try and do that. You know what I mean? It's yeah. very much like we have to use the artist. The artist is very like, even if the artist isn't much of a writer, just their energy and their like 
their vessel is enough of a like collab collaboration and and i feel like that's often like a, a challenging part but it's super rewarding when you like find something that feels honest and genuine to the artist and they love it and you listen to them you know sing a certain melody or sing on a certain type of track and it's like yes that's what you should sound like um so yeah it's a very like complex process um but i mean i guess it just gets easier like over time how many sessions would you say it takes to sit down map a song out with an artist and find the right balance of what's going to sound right with the end product usually like a day like six hours like that's how that's good that's like yeah 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 it's 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 so so interesting um yeah it is weird right like something happens in six hours um i feel like a song is usually done like in six hours like in terms of just like writing something and producing it and like recording everything yeah we i we usually get that done in a day um and i think it's less about like and then like say say i'm working with a new artist um we'll write a song and then haven't quite figured out it usually takes about three or four sessions for me to like understand like the the sonic space that they want to live in um I think that feels like right and unique. Um, you know, we'll come like we'll we'll come in with like some references and like we'll listen to some songs and be like, oh, let's do something like this today. And, and the artist will be like, oh, I, I like this artist and this artist and this artist. And then you know, as a as a producer, I'll listen to those artists and those songs and like try and pick out key sort of like textures and sounds and rhythms that could be the reason why this person's gravitating toward them. And then sort yeah. of like try and recreate the um the, the the emotion and the feeling of those references and then eventually you like get to a sound that like everyone's happy with and the artist is like proud of so yeah 100 percent. so for yourself now do you gig much or are you doing much performance i don't really gig i i've i've started doing um <clears throat> covers gigs again just for like some money on the side um yeah. i haven't played i haven't played a show in like a cyrus show in like two years um i've very much been like inside the studio sort of preparing for the next um my next project um but yeah i haven't i don't really i i accompany um like heaps of different friends and artists like when they play shows which is sick and like arrange the arrange the live show and how it's going to sound and you know, just play alongside and maybe do like some BVs, which has been, which is, I, I really enjoy like just playing the music and like being at the back of the stage as opposed to yeah. at the front. Um, but yeah, I haven't had, had lately. I haven't really been like performing, so to say, um, mainly just because I've been working on other people's stuff. Um, yeah. But I think that's going to change soon. Can you give us a bit of a, a hint as to when that will change and when the next project's due? Yeah, so like at the moment I'm um I'm working on two projects of my own. One's like a side project um that I started with Ned, my like my my fa- my best mate. Um and we're dropping something in like a week or two, um which is super exciting. That's sort of just been like a creative outlet for us to just like have fun and enjoy like why we started. Yep. Um um that project's called Roy Boy. Um, which I'm really excited about. And it's sort of like hip hop, R&B, alternative R&B, um, which is like a, a, a 
like genre that we both love, but isn't necessarily our own thing. Yeah. Um, so that's been really sick. And then I'm, I've started writing uh, something. Okay. Uh, I'm not quite sure what the... Don't what give the, too much away. <laughs> uh, I'm working on a body of a, a body of work at the moment for for myself, which is really exciting. Um, and like, yeah, writing and producing everything myself, which has been yeah really fun and something I wouldn't like never have imagined I'd be able to do like two years ago, three years ago. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm excited, man. I'm excited. I think like with the whole thing that's happening in the world right now and like some personal stuff that's gone on in my life, I've just realized like life's too short to wait and to wait for the right time and just to like hold back um so i think as a result i've just like poured my like heart and soul and all of my like physical energy into um into yeah this next project so i'm i'm excited i'm excited for you here bro 100 percent. it's um what what really interests me is obviously i think people I'm, i might get this wrong but i i believe that most artists develop at different ages you obviously started probably on on some sort of instrument to begin with when did you first realize that you actually had a voice i can't i've been asked this question a lot but i don't think i've ever like properly thought about it i i guess like when i because i like like i said i've been singing all of my life and I guess I knew or like had a feeling that I was like, okay at it when I was like at a, a kid, like singing at like family parties yeah. and they always like make me sing like Cyrus sing that Christmas Carol that you, you know, that one. And then yeah. no, I just, I just do it. But <laughs> I never like, like as a six year old, you don't think, Oh, I could, I could make a living out of this. You know what I, mean? <laughs> I don't know. It was just, yeah. I, I, I guess it would have been maybe like once I got a bit older, like 13 or 14 and like just within closed doors, I was getting emotional singing. And I think that's probably where like, it probably happened when I was just like, I don't know, home by myself and i was just like playing the piano i was i'm always like playing the piano at home and just singing and i guess like and i always like I, my parents always loved hearing me sing like ballads and just like slow like whitney houston songs or john farnham songs yeah. um, and i reckon like there would have been a time where i was like just completely like taken over by more than just an enjoyment of doing it and like a, it like a love and a passion sort of like took over um i guess that a moment like that would have been something where i was like oh like music is like a part of like me you yeah. know what i mean more than just like oh yeah like dabbling in some stuff um yeah i reckon something like that when i was like 13 or 14 so i'm 23 about to be 24 you reckon there's no hope oh don't give up yeah <laughs> never say never <laughs> Mate, it's, it's funny actually because when i when I first spoke to you and I locked you in to come on the podcast, I was sitting, um, I was sitting out on my balcony having dinner with my dad and his partner and we're chatting. I was like, Oh, I've just locked Cyrus in for the podcast. And I played them a bit of your music and um, they remembered like you from being on the show years ago and they're, you know, they're both locals here in Wollongong. So, and they said to me, dad goes, fuck, why can't you be talented like that? And I go, <laughs> well, maybe I can. And he goes, no, I can stick to hosting the show. He goes, don't ever do that again. 
I acknowledge the um. I respect the the effort. Oh, bro! I've got, I've got nothing. But I've got nothing. I'm lucky people <laughs> listen to my voice on the podcast. So, so oh, just going mate, back. I reckon that's a beautiful going, voice. Oh no! Going back to what you're saying, you play the piano a lot, obviously. Um, I can yeah. see guitar just in the background there. What what sort of is there anything you don't play? <laughs> uh, pian- yeah, piano was the first instrument I played. I did like piano lessons when I was eight for like a is year. Is that a good start years. for anyone listening? Uh, yes, I, I think so. Um, I feel like that's a, that's a very interesting topic, I think, in regards to music is like the disparity between theory and like emotion, like feel, I guess yeah. we would call it. Um, personally, I'm like, I'm very like theoretically uneducated. I don't like, I know what all the notes are on a keyboard. Um, I know how to like, just sort of like play with my ear but i can only like play in two different keys so like and both of them are essentially like all the white notes not really the black notes um so like i'm not soup i i so long as i can like i don't know what you're talking about but (laughs) (laughs) shit yeah i I forget you know the uh I, I, you need to dumb me, dumb me down slap pull me up anytime i'm talking too hard essentially like i'm i'm like I'm good. I'm okay at piano in terms of being able to play along to uh, anything that I hear. Okay. Um, but like reading, reading sheet music, I can't. Like I don't. I can't do that. That was a question uh-huh. I had for you because I think what what I find fascinating is to watch, especially people who who gig consistently or play a lot of covers and are playing their own music. Mm-hmm. It fascinates me that you can remember so much mm. without having a sheet in front of you. And I've always yeah. wondered, is it, is it just a standard skill set to be able to read sheet music? Um, or is it more so that a lot of people play by the ear? Yeah. I don't, man, I don't really know, to be honest. I, I, feel, like, I feel like sheet music can also like keep you kind of limited. Like, and spe- like for example, in the like, like if you're playing shows in front of like a live audience and playing covers gigs, you part of that, there's, there's so much more to than just like, okay, here's this chord. Oh, I got to play that chord. And there's that lyric. So I've got to sing that lyric. Like there's the dynamic of having to feed off the energy of people watching you. So if you're like, if the sheet music says to like, you know, play this part really like chill and quiet but like no one, you can tell that no one wants it to go there. And if people want to be like uplifted and like whatever, you can just like scrap the sheet music and, and if you can, you know, if you're good enough that you can just like not have to follow a sheet and sort of like play with your ear and find where the song wants to go in terms of like entertaining and like satisfying the audience that's in front of you. I feel like it's so much more valuable than like not be restrained to a piece of paper. Um, well, I'd agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm 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 hopeless. At, I don't read sheet music. I can read like if you tell me to play a C chord or like an A minor chord or whatever, I can play them. And I can if there's a sheet that says play this chord, play this chord. But like in terms of individual notes, I'm hopeless. Yeah, no, fair um, enough. <laughs> fair enough. I was, love playing um, piano. Say again, sorry. Love playing piano though. Yeah, and obviously mm. it's it's years and years of just mastering your craft that come into play. 
and you can see that you love it so much. So you know, I think to any time you're passionate about something, it's hard not to be good at it. Sure, sure. Or it's hard. It's 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 hard to like. I'm I'm a very I've I've I was speaking to this with my roommate the other day. I feel like if because we're so passionate about music you you like and and it's obviously like a super tough industry and it's not necessarily like a overnight like transaction of like making money yeah because we're so passionate about it like it we we can't like we physically can't like stop like just working toward whatever it is we're working toward um and i feel like that's so important within any industry man like if you're a bricklayer if you build houses if you are like a physio whatever it is like if you're passionate about that thing then you're like unstoppable and i feel like that's something yeah man i feel like there's not enough people out there that like let passion and love direct their um careers and life and i feel like that's super important especially just for like longevity and like happiness i feel like that's um yeah, that's one thing that I'm like trying to I try and tell like as many people as I know when they're having trouble with work or like they're stuck in a bit of a rut. It's like, what do you like love? Like, what do you want to do? If money wasn't a thing, like how would you want to spend your hours nine to five on a Monday? Like, exactly. I feel like when, 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 when you don't, you don't like think of your work week as a, as a, on a day, day to day or like a time basis, then you're like, that's, Speaking from personal experience, I love it. So I no, I hundred percent agree with that. I think that's a really good way to to live your life and a very good, very good outlook to have. So, I'm interested to hear what your thoughts are. And obviously, like I said, you've got a great social presence. I'm interested to know, even years ago. So we're talking five, six years ago. Like I said, I first seen your stuff on Facebook. So it's always been, it's always been there. Obviously, now with TikTok being big in start getting bigger and bigger and there's so much opportunity to be noticed and voice your creative expression through music on those platforms how do you see the industry changing do you think there's a shift more towards the accessibility of someone being able to jump on a phone and i know during this crisis the amount of live gigs i've seen on my instagram feed and people getting creative I think it's almost a shift in the way that things will happen. Yeah, man. I feel like, I feel like with technology, the, in the way that the industry works has shifts, like like the rate at which it changes and evolves is so much quicker than 10 years ago, 15 years ago. Um, And I think the rate is continuing to get quicker. Um, So I feel like this day and age, you have to, very much like stay on your toes and learn how to adapt with whatever's um you know like popping off and the 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 way in which art, different artists are being heard you you you'd be silly not to try and take advantage of it i know a lot of people that just like can sit back and complain be like oh like the song just blew up because of the app and blah 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 and it's only because of this and it's like yeah like those people are smart like if yeah. you're i like it's 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 you're doing yourself a disservice if you just sit back and complain about the way that it's going rather than actually trying to like shut up and capitalize on it and and you know make the most out of it because at the end of the day like the music industry is a business and as much as we love like staying inside a studio and just being creative and having fun like a part of that is being a businessman and like looking at it 
through that lens as opposed to just like staying within a studio. And I think that's something that I've only realized like over the last six months. Um, and I've like started to actually really enjoy the hustle of like trying to get new artists in here. Like how can I make a bigger name for myself without just like a Dropbox link of demos? Because like, people don't really care about that. It's like, okay, yeah, that's cool. you got all those songs and they're unreleased, but like, what have you done with songs that have gone out there how have they gone like what type of people do you like you know what type of artists have you worked with who who do you what a and r's do you know what type of meetings have you had like all that all that sort of like stuff and it's like can become a headache but it's just like a part of it um and i feel like i've sort of gone on a tangent sorry no it's all right it's great social media um yeah i feel like the 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 industry is always going to be growing and changing and we have to like yeah do our best to adapt no, definitely. Talk to me like looking at your career now, you've been active in the space for probably what, seven years, putting music out there for the world to hear. Is there been, I can imagine there's probably many, but has there been a moment where you've had to pinch yourself when you've realized, okay, this is bigger or crazier than I ever thought it would get. Um, it's been an artist that you've worked with anything that sort of you look back on and their fond memories along the journey. I think up until this point, the only real moment where I was like, shit, this is like happening was like during that whole X factor thing. I think purely because it was, it went, I went from like being a uni student who sang songs on the weekends to like, this could be my life and like my career. I think that jump was huge. Um, That was like a pinch myself moment. I think since then I've had a lot of like, just real like uh grounding um human like moments that have come in the form of like challenges um you know like like more troughs but i've i'm I'm very much a person who like i i i really acknowledge downfalls and acknowledge challenges because i feel like the person that i end up becoming on the other side of that is just so much like stronger and smarter and, you know, more confident. Um, and I think it's all equipping me for, you know, hopefully something like where I can, you know, make, make some sort of big impact on, on the world and the industry. Um, yeah. I, I, I <laughs> it's crazy. I often have moments where I'm like, okay, now I know myself. Now I know what I want to do. Now I'm like a hundred percent there. And like two weeks later, something will happen. I'll be like, okay, now I know. And I like, you know, it's, it's Don't like, we a all, man. Don't we all? Oh man. It's, it's, I, I, I love it. I love it. I, um, it's just growth. I'm, I think, I think it's being self-aware enough to consistently grow and understand mm. that every, you know, every, every time you have, especially when you put yourself out there a lot and you speak to a lot of people, you, gig with a lot of people you got a lot of people coming into your studio i think the more you put yourself out there i know myself the more i speak to new people and learn new things the more i realize the direction that i want to take and i think unless you change your mind consistently you're probably not growing fast enough yeah i think it's the natural progression yeah no i love that i love that i'm um i'm very much an advocate of growth and just becoming better um yeah that's sick i love that definitely so obviously now we're sitting here these are weird times ahead we don't know what's going to be happening in the next couple months it's really hard to 
Yeah, I think all the all the ideas that we all had for 2020 have somehow been shifted or changed and maybe slightly postponed. But talk to me about your next few years coming up. Do you see yourself being in, in Sydney for the rest of your life or for a long time? Or do you see yourself moving and shifting for new opportunity? What What's your space look like and where do you want to be in the next couple of years? Yeah, I get asked this a lot and I feel like I'm very much the person and I feel like I always have been where I don't I don't put a lot of energy into thinking about distant future like and I say distant like loosely as in like a year's time um I don't know if that's like I've, I've you know I've heard opinions where that's a bad thing because you know you should know where you want to go and you should plan that out and you should have goals but I think for me personally I work better less goal orientated more like uh like process orientated. I, I, I feel like my, my thought process is less focused on the end goal, more focused on the like path getting there. You know what I mean? I think um, getting to thing, the there is. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Being um, more present. And I think if it's yeah. too focused on, I've heard a lot of things lately. I was listening to a podcast with a guy. I don't know if you've ever heard of Jocko Willink. I hope I said his name no, right. I would no, like, no. Um, I think he's a Navy SEAL or something like that. Retired. And he was talking about how motivation's nothing without like discipline of day to day. And I think it's the same mm. with goals. Goals are, goals mean nothing unless you're actually enjoying the journey on the way there. Oh man, but absolutely. Being more present Look. about it is obviously you have short term goals and you know what you want to have done within the month work wise. And but I think if you get too distant about it, because I'm in the same boat. Like I see this is what I like. like this is my passion. So for me to project where this is going to be in a couple of years is so yeah. unknown. You have hopes and dreams, you know what yeah, I mean? Like yeah, have yeah. that little daydream of you sitting on the Ellen show because you've made some impact. Um, yeah. But you know what I mean? Like until you actually sit down and hustle through the actual day to day of getting new guests on, creating something that's meaningful to an audience, it's hard to set expectations as opposed mm. to just work hard. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like the other thing with like goals is like you either do it or you don't. And it's like a, it's like a yes and a no. And it's like a 50, 50 idea of like whether or not you're going to reach it, whatever. That's like the only, and I, uh, I that, that I don't like the idea of that. And I, I, I don't like the idea of like, when I reach the goal, then I'll be satisfied and happy. Like, fuck that. Like I want to be so like happy and pushed and motivated. And, you know, I want to, I want to feel down and I want to feel up on the way to wherever there is. And I feel like I've just like, I work better um, with that sort of like mindset. Um, But yeah, to answer your question, uh, I feel like in the next, like over the next year, um, what I'm focusing on at the moment is relaunching my own stuff um figuring out what that looks like um and yeah just like just building more of what i'm currently doing um i think over the last like three weeks there's been a couple of things that have happened like advancements in my work which have been moments where i'm like okay like i'm 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 doing i'm doing what i'm meant to be doing because you know certain opportunities are coming in um that i wouldn't have been able to get six months ago um and they're the sort of like they're the goals that I didn't know were goals until I sort of reached them. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like 100%. Working, 
particular artist or being asked to executive produce this project. Like they could have very well been goals that I could have set myself six months ago. But if I was thinking about it too much and I was thinking about like being unhappy, if I didn't reach them, then it would have like just fucked up my process. And I think focusing on my day to day and being present in the, the journey um, is the reason why those sort of doors have opened, um, which is, yeah, super exciting. That's really good to hear. And I'm going to let you go in a minute. Um, I want to ask though, before I let you head off, mm. if you were, I, I, I've, I've asked a lot of my guests, like if they were my age, 23 again, what did they wish they knew? But you're 23 as well. I guess I'd ask <laughs> you the question, if you were back playing in your bedroom, making covers again, and, and in that very simple day-to-day school life, Wollongong routine, what do you wish you knew with the, with the past five years of learnings and just any motivational words for artists or non-artists just that you think are just, are just life motivational? I guess to be more present. I feel like as a kid and in high school, I've, I, I very much lived ahead of time. Um, you know, thinking about the end of high school and thinking about what I wanted to do and what I wanted to be or vice versa, thinking about like the past and thinking about primary school and thinking about how much easier life was when like <laughs> I was in year six compared to being in year eight. Um, and then obviously that's like gone through as I've gotten older. I remember like two years after high school, I, every day I would think about certain memories and I'd go through my hard drive of like folders of like videos and photos from high school of like me and my mates just being idiots. Um, I think if I could go back to like 16 year old Cyrus, I'd just be like, man, enjoy right now. Cause you're never going to get like this back. Um, and I feel like, you know, there's so many kids out there that like can't wait to finish high school because they hate it and blah, blah, blah. But like, you're always going to look back on um, me anyway. Personally, I always look back on times in my life very fondly and with a smile on my face. And I would like to have been those moments more present and just more like, yeah, I like how things are right now. And just taking that and then, yeah, just live more a day at a time. I think. Um, I think very good advice, man. Very good advice. So yeah. thank you so much for coming on. Um, where can the people find you if they want to follow you on social, YouTube? What do you want and, and where do you recommend people coming to follow you? Uh, probably just Instagram. I, um, my handle on Instagram is Cyrusville. Um, and my uh, address is... No, I'm joking. That's, that's pretty much it. <laughs> <laughs> what, do you still do a bit of stuff on YouTube? Not really, not really. I'm, 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 I probably will once I um, relaunch my like artist project. And I'm not really on TikTok yet. Like that COVID nineteen video was the first one that I put on there, but yeah. I haven't really like followed it up with much. It's um, I don't know. It's a lot of it's a lot of effort, but I know that I know I should put in. But yeah, just putting. <laughs> It'll take time. It's like anything. When you when you're yeah. ready to do it, you do it and you do it well. So you always do. <laughs> oh man. Thank you. It's been good hey, I, pre- I appreciate you you coming on so much. I really do taking the time out of your day. And it's nice to have a chat with someone from Wollongong who has gone on to do the things that they love and, and just to pursue your passion. So I appreciate your, your good words and you being on here to share the space.
Oh man, it's been my pleasure. Thank you for uh, having a chat. I appreciate it. We'll no uh, catch a call next time I'm in Wollongong. 100%, 100%. And for <laughs> anyone listening, um, jump in, follow this guy, get around his stuff, show him some support. It's amazing to see people follow their passions and do well and like, subscribe, share, rate the podcast. This means a lot to me. So if you can get behind it, it would mean so much. Cheers, guys.